Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. Good morning and welcome back to Bible study this morning in this new virtual format. I am so thankful to each of you for your flexibility and your willingness to meet either online or in person um, away from campus with your discussion groups this morning, and I trust that you had a rich discussion together, and I'm just thankful that we can still um, be together in this format live this morning for our teaching time. I do want to highlight just one announcement. I want to remind you guys that we really, we are still doing our service project with Foster Love Bell County. We are um, gathering supplies for snack bags for local caseworkers, and we are still going to be doing that. I still want you to bring your donations um, to up here to Creekside Building in the lobby. We have two bins clearly marked for those donations. So you can drop them by any time uh, during the day or you can bring them on Sunday. And we are going to move our, our date for putting those bags together to the 25th of February. That's the date that I want you to mark on your calendar that we will ba be back together here at the building. So February 25th, right after class, we will be putting those snack bags together. So I hope that you uh, can participate in that. I do want us to uh, remind ourselves and to declare our memory verse again together this morning. Remember each um, verse, we, we will have the same verse for two weeks. So we're on an off week and so we have our verse from last week and so wherever you are sitting in the living room, I'd like for you to stand up and let's try to say this verse uh, together by memory. This is from Mark 1.17. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I hope that you are able to commit that to memory this week. Well, I am excited um, now to introduce our speaker for today. Um, she is a good friend of mine that I've gotten to know over the last few years. Some of you on Thursday morning... Um, might not know her because she is a part of our Thursday evening group. She's a discussion leader, and uh, you're in for a real treat to get to know her. Her name is Rachel Dawson. I want to invite Rachel up um, on the stage, and I'm going to pray for her, and we'll turn it over to Rachel. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for what you have taught us this week in our personal study for what you have taught us through one another as we've discussed this text. And now we look forward to hearing what you've taught Rachel and how you will speak to us through her this morning. So God, would you um, just be with her? Would you give her the words to say? Would you give us the attention and the focus to hear from you as Rachel is speaking? And God, we're just asking you to open our eyes to something new to open our ears to something new, to open our hearts to understand and to put into practice what you have for us. And so we just give you this time, Lord, and ask you to bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. All right. Good day, everyone. It is good to be here today with you and to talk about the authority of the Son of God that we've been talking about through Mark 1, 21 through 2, 12. 
And, um, but before I do that, let me start with just introducing myself, because I know some of you from the Thursday morning in particular may not know who I am. So as you can see on the left-hand side at the top, I'm married to Jay, and we've been married for 22 and a half years. And we have our three kids, Erica, Stephen, and Nathan. Erica, 16, in 10th grade at Lake Belton High School. And Stephen and Nathan are twins. They're 14 in their Lake Belton Middle School. They play tennis, as you can see there, and we um, really enjoy traveling and spending time together. And a little bit about myself, I have the big Brazilian flag on the upper left because that's a big part of who I am. I'm from Brazil, have been in the U.S. for 30 plus years. I am a pediatrician and I work for Merck in the vaccines division um, for about three years now, so I'm not in clinical practice anymore, but still a pediatrician at heart. And um, I was an active duty military pediatrician for 12 years with a little diversion to Iraq. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in one of my stories here as we go along. And um, I just love spending time with my family and traveling. As you can see here, I love to read books. That's one of, I put a picture of Something Needs to Change, which is a book I read in the last couple of months. Um, I also love to do races. So you see my medals and um, race bibs hanging there in my uh, room. And I love to play games, board games with my kids. And Yahtzee is our most recent favorite that we've been playing. And, uh, and just recently, I've just started a nonprofit um, to raise awareness um, regarding stuttering. And you can see that on the left bottom. So that's a little bit about who I am. Um, we'll go into the text now. And as you can see, I started out with the newsflash, right? So what is Jesus doing here during this um, packed, small little section, really, when you think about it? He heals a man with an unclean spirit. Then he goes on to heal many others. He preaches in Galilee. He cleanses a leper and he heals a paralytic. So again, he did a lot here in this um, short period of time, but I want to focus on four specific areas. So first, I want to focus on the fact that he has authority over demons. Secondly, that he preaches with authority. Thirdly, that he's compassionate and lastly, that we need community to thrive as followers of Christ. So we'll unpack each one of these one at a time. So we'll start with the fact that he has authority over demons. Um, I'll t talk about this, these pictures here in a second, but let me start by telling you that demons recognize him, and they're afraid of him, and they obey him. And demons knew who he was even when people around Jesus didn't know and that, this reminded me of the question that what are we afraid of and what has a hold of us? And I show this picture of Iraq here as a testimony of, a pra of oppression in Iraq. When I was there as brigade surgeon for 3-1 CAV in 2011, I could clearly feel the darkness that was present in that country. I um, would walk into my room at the end of a long day, we worked 16, 17-hour days, and I would feel this darkness come over me as if something was in my room and I didn't know what it was. And luckily, I have a sister who would send me a card every week while I was there with a Bible verse. And what I started to do is just post these Bible verses around the walls in my room. And so every time I would walk in and I would feel that darkness, I would start out loud just quoting the scriptures that were on the wall and walking around and reading them one by one. And as I would do that, I would feel that oppression sort of lift, and I would feel light again. And um, so, you know, the devil is real. He, he is around, and we need to stand up against him, and we can do that. Um, 
because we are reminded here that Jesus has absolute authority over all creation, he should have absolute authority over our lives. All of us have an, a source of authority over our lives, and it might not be Jesus. So think about what is your authority, and if it's not God, then who or what is that? Even the demons stand in awe of God. They recognize the threat that he is to them. So we need to stand in awe of God as well and recognize the power that we have in him to stand up against the schemes of the devil. And because the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, uh, seeking someone to devour, but God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. So as I've been, uh, as I said, I love to read, and I did read The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, so I have several quotes throughout today that I will be sharing with you. But I'll start with who or what is the authority over my life? And he reminds us here, that let him be, the, be forced to make a choice between God and money, between God and men, between God and personal ambition, God and self, God and human love, and God will take second place every time. So that just reminds me that even some of the good things, whether it's children, work, love, some of those things can come between God what God has for us, and then he, does, he all of a sudden comes second, and he's not the authority over our lives. In 1 Peter 5.8, uh, he reminds us to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But then also in 2 Peter 1.3, we're reminded that his power, his divine power, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So again, we have the power to stand up under the schemes of the devil. And he preaches with authority. So this is our second point here. More, he had more authority than the Torah scholars. Mark actually tells us nothing about the content of his preaching, but only about the one who is teaching. Religious, religious leaders thought they were really good. They were so good they didn't need to be saved. And they relied on traditions, on rules, and on laws to get them to heaven. It was, all, it was always God plus everything else. And Jesus uh, has authority directly from God as the Son of God. That's why he preaches with authority. And when we read God's word, then we know what he says for us to do and we can follow him. This is why he needs to be Lord and Savior and King of our lives. Um, here, another quote from The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. The Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him and that they may delight in his presence and may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. So here, this reminds us that, um, I, actually, the picture you see there on the right of a book that's named Nothing in My Hand I Bring, and by Ray Gallia, I've just read this recently, the last couple of weeks. And uh, the reason I read this is because I've had um, some friends and um, some of my daughter's friends who are Catholic, and we were trying to learn a little bit more about Catholicism. And this is an excellent book to learn a little bit more about it. And it's written by a Catholic who became a Protestant, 
And um, it just this book just reminded me of the fact that Jesus is all we need. It's not Jesus and everything else. All, it's important um, to read your Bible, to pray, to, sp to memorize scripture, to spend time at church and with your community. But also, that is, it's not, but you have Jesus, and that's all you need. Everything else is because of our love for Jesus. Everything else comes out of that. And that's why this says the Bible is not an end in itself. So yes, you can read the Bible, but we also apply what we learn. And that will bring us into this intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that says here. And we um, can be reminded that we can enter into his presence directly. Um, so I'll go into our third point, which is the fact that he is compassionate. So you remember in the story that the leper approaches Jesus and he shows him his great kindness and compassion. The leper knows what Jesus is capable of even though he knows he doesn't deserve it. If you will, he says, and Jesus says, I will. And the leper was an outcast. He was unclean and thought to be cursed by God. He was forced to live in isolation and unkept, away from people. But he approaches Jesus, knowing that Jesus could heal him. And not asking if he would heal him, he knew Jesus was the only one that could change him. And Jesus wants people to come to him to get him, and not just to get what we want or to get something out of him. And you can see here in this passage that he shows compassion in a way that was outside of the norm for that culture. He touches the leper, where this is not something that um, you would do in that time. And God cares about our problems. God knows, he knows that we hurt and he has a remedy for our hopelessness, which is Jesus. He sent Jesus to us. And we should run to him alone, serve him and others out of the grateful appreciation we have for him. And here I have this uh, question, am I running to God to get him or to get God and something else? Right? So the end in quotes here. So again, A.W. Tozer in The Pursuit of God says, there is little we need other than God himself. The evil habit of seeking God and something else effectively prevents us from finding God in full revelation. In the end, quote, unquote, lies our great woe. If we omit the end, we shall soon find God. So again, are we running to God to get him or to get God and something else. And Hebrews 4.16 reminds us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can run with him with confidence. He will show us compassion as he did for the leper and he will meet us in that time of need and give us mercy and grace. Now, we need community to thrive as followers of Christ. As you remember here in the story, um, in the forgiving of the paralytic, his friends bring him to Jesus. They help him to get there. He demonstra Jesus demonstrates that he wants to be known for his message and not just what he does for him physically. Um, so when his friends bring him to Jesus, Jesus provides him with spiritual healing first. And the paralytic got a lot more than he expected, and his sins were forgiven. 
And we need to live in community with the body of Christ. Even when our friends are not seeking or seeing that they need Jesus, we can be there to bring them to Jesus. And I'll show you this picture of my friends from small group, and we just completed the Bible recap at the end of 2019. Um, and a couple of them are not pictured here, Erica Mendenhall and Amy Rodocker, but um, they're part of this group that we are very connected. And I really have grown spiritually and become more like Jesus through accountability and being in this community. Back in 2015, when I left the military at the end of the year, we soon joined Temple Bible Church in the beginning of 2016. I had heard about Temple Bible Church for years, actually, and um, we came into the Brindley's class at that time and sat next to Jennifer and Sean uh, Luce. And Jennifer immediately invited me to her small group, and my husband and I decided the very next weekend we would be there, and we were, and it's his, you know, the rest is history here. Um, we've been with this group for the last, uh, I guess, going on six years, five, six years now, um, and we've done so much together and for one another and been there for each other. We have served one another in so many ways. Um, you know, whether it's through providing meals, being there for one another, just talking, uh, texting each other all day, which is super fun, um, and just been a, a great way of showing love um, through the body of Christ. Um, we often think we know what our greatest need is, but we are only focusing on our circumstances. Your greatest need is for Jesus. The problems we're facing, whether it's marriage, children, job, lack of resources or health, shortage of time, um, those are not our greatest needs. So is God where he needs to be in your life, which translates into love towards others? And, you know, as I mentioned through the Bible recap, we read the whole Bible in one year, last year. Um, some of us in the group had never actually gone through the entire Bible in one year and learned so much through that process, but also through keeping each other accountable. And we started again this year as a group to continue spending time in God's word. And again, um, using community to thrive as followers of Christ. So here are the two questions. Is God where he needs to be in your life, as I asked earlier? And um, my being, being the church to those around me. A.W. Tozer, again, in The Pursuit of God, said, The whole course of life is upset by failure to put God where he belongs. We exalt ourselves instead of God, and the curse follows. And looking back at Psalms 107, 9, it says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. So again, this reminds us to look for Jesus and go to him, and he will satisfy all that we need. And this was written during the reign of King David. So remember First and Second Samuel, I'd like to go back to, the, to that and remind us um, of David. And in this particular chapter, it was a summary of what the Israelites had gone through and how the Lord had rescued them and delivered them. If you actually have a chance to read through Psalms 107, it's actually quite uplifting. And you see that even though the Israelites did not deserve what God provided, he still provided, he still kept his promise, and he still continues to do so, so today in our lives. And sometimes things may not look like what we want, just like we saw the paralytic initially, God forgave his sins, not necessarily healed his physical um, problem. And sometimes that happens, and we don't see um, 
the, we, we think we don't see what God is doing in our lives when he's actually at work. And so he satisfies our soul and not just our physical needs. So before I go into the, some of these application questions, I wanted to just make a few comments or, and ask you a few questions to kind of think through um, as you think through this lesson. So first of all, following Jesus will cost our priorities. So all of this that we've been talking about through this uh, morning, um, it could be our comfort. It could be we may feel like we're lacking control. It could be our own plans. We made our own plans, and we are feeling like we're going to have to go to plan B or C. But to God, what's happening is plan A. And our timing. Are we immediately following him when he calls, just like um, the disciples did? Are we doing what he asks of us and not just doing for God? Jesus doesn't get comfortable in one place. He goes where God calls him. Sometimes this means for us maybe spending time with a friend in need, getting out of our comfort zone or getting out of our little daily routines to allow a break in our routine so that we can be there for a friend or calling a family member or friend who you know is struggling, encouraging those around us to spend time with God as I was able to do with the Bible recap in my small group. Sometimes it means being out of our comfort zone, having our agenda and daily plans changed to serve God. And this remind me, reminds me, actually, of when I got back from Iraq in 2012, um, having been there for eight months, and I had a very busy agenda. And there was very little room in my agenda to add what God wanted me to do, because I already had all these things planned for God and to do for my children and for my husband and all these things, forgetting where Jesus, Jesus' place in this. And actually, at that time, my husband and I actually looked through our calendar and started to just delete activities left and right that we had on the calendar, um, because it was preventing us from actually doing what God was asking of us to do, and it was actually getting in the way. So we realized that why are we doing for God instead of what does God want us to do? So think through that as well. Um, God's word spoken into our hearts is what he uses to transform our lives. Daily Bible reading and prayer, time alone with God are all important in that process. Jesus recharged and he refocused um, on God. Remember this through Mark. You will see and have already seen some of this with fasting uh, before he, the temptation and during that temptation period in the boat during the storm where he's asleep and he's resting, um, where everybody else is uh, a little stressed out. Alone in prayer, in this passage, we see how he goes off on his own to pray. pray. He rises early in the morning while it is still dark for solitude and privacy, a place for restoration and fellowship with God. This is where Jesus finds strength and where we should find strength as well. So um, again, as the, going back to the four points that I made, um, he has authority over demons. So my, my reminder is that we need to recognize the power we have in him over the schemes of the devil. Secondly, that he preaches with authority. So this is why he needs to be Lord and Savior and King of our lives, because what he says has authority, and we should listen and follow what he says. He is compassionate. Jesus wants people to come to him to get him. And as a reminder, because of his compassion, we can approach him and find mercy and grace for our lives through him. 
And again, we need community to, to thrive as followers of Christ. And as a reminder, God needs to be the center of our lives so that we can then translate that into love towards others. So this week, really focus on the application questions asked in the Bible study. So the first one, I summarized some of the questions, so it's just a little brief portion of it. But how can I change my schedule to fit more time alone with God? So, you know, a lot of us says, you know, a lot of us are very busy, and we sometimes say, I didn't have time to read the Bible. Then you might be too busy, or you might be in the wrong place on your schedule. It might need to be first thing, last thing, whatever works for you. But what can you change in your schedule to fit more time alone with God? What is my calling so pray through that this week. What pulls me away from what God wants me to do? And how can I stay focused on living life for eternity, really? And are there any adjustments that I need to make to be able to um, serve God? So this quote here, The Pursuit of God, by, again, A.W. Tozer, it says, the pursuit of God will embrace the labor of bringing our total personality into conformity to his. So this is our hope, right? This is our goal. And here I have a picture of my daughter, Erica. She just recently started driving. It was a little scary for me at first, but she's been doing quite well. And um, she has, uh, over the last year, actually taught me quite a bit. She's uh, been growing spiritually, and I can see that in her life. Um, and she shared with me this one song called More Like Jesus by Passion. And um, the, the summary of what she was struggling with is that she had a choice between putting God first or putting herself first, her own feelings, her temporary happiness, to pursue something that wasn't necessarily aligned with God's plan in her life. And again, it was between the here and now, what makes me happy right now, to living in the light of eternity. And uh, she said that over the summer, um, the song had com kept coming to mind uh, for her. And uh, when she was actually at Pine Cove, she said the song was there with her. And she was wondering why the song uh, had been kind of a part of coming up over and over again. And uh, she, because at that point during the summer, the challenge that f she faced had not come to pass yet. And when it, the challenge did become apparent to her, then she relied on, lis on listening to godly counsel, but most importantly, reading the Bible, letting the Holy Spirit speak to her and touch her heart. And um, she made the choice to follow Jesus. So before, I'm going to end here with the song, um, More Like Jesus. It's about five minutes, and I want you to just really meditate on the song and truly let it speak to your heart. And as you can see here, the, the part of the lyric says, If more of you means less of me, take everything. Here at your feet, my desires and dreams I lay down. So what are those desires and dreams that you might need to lay down at Jesus' feet? And again, what are, you, are you willing to let Jesus take everything? So I'll pause here and I'll pray and, I'll, and we'll end with that song. Dear Jesus, thank you for this time today and um, for all that we've learned through your word. And I ask that you just speak to the ladies this morning through the song. Amen. <laughs>